Great. Well, I know uh, we've had a great month of uh, discussing uh, marriage and its importance. And uh, uh, Renee and I uh, called Jim yesterday and we said, you know, we'd really like you to come on and and give us your uh, thoughts on this subject. And um, and so uh, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, one of the great pastors in America of all denominations, in my opinion. Uh, the one and only Jim Putman. Jim, take it away. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, you know, he shared with me that you guys are talking about marriage. And, um, you know, my journey as a kid, uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, uh, which is probably why I became an atheist um, in college. Not necessarily because my dad, my dad was the real deal. He was absolutely committed. Everything was a lesson. I mean, he was uh, really intentional at times. But my dad wasn't discipled to understand. Uh, he was a first generation believer, really, to understand that to say no to the church was not the same as saying no to God. And because he was always on call for the church, um, the family got intentionality at specific times and places if there wasn't something else going on. If there wasn't a, uh, I, 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 would, I would say my dad was like a fireman. As long as there were no fires, you know, you sit around, you lounge around the firehouse. But when there's a fire, you're on call, right? Well, the problem is, as a pastor, you're always on call. There's always a fire. Now, my dad was great if there was a fire in my life that he was aware of. But because he wasn't around, he didn't really know there was a fire in my life until it was a raging inferno. Uh, or, uh, you, you know, you think about there, there was no catching things early. There was no... You know, so I, I don't remember really a dinner where the phone didn't ring and he wasn't on the phone or somebody knocked on the door. We lived in a parsonage for a time, which was really rough. I don't remember getting the, finally a chance to, you know, I, to play catch with my dad. And then somebody shows up and he's over there praying with him. And there I am sitting there with my mitt, right, hoping that this doesn't take forever, but it usually did. So. My dad and my mom, and, and actually both my dad and my mom were first-generation believers. We were, were super poor, uh, and so my mom had to work. They didn't pay pastors very well. So, you know, there's five kids, two parents that absolutely are committed to ministry, but my mom is also with a job. We're pretty poor, and so I resented the church. I resented... Um, I felt like if there was a God, why would, did he care about everybody else but the pastor's family sort of a sort of thing? And why did Christians treat my parents that way? And um, but even in spite of all that, you know, my parents have been married almost 60 years. And there were certain practices I saw that uh, when I finally looked and came to my my senses a bit that there were some good things, not just bad things that my parents had learned. So one of the things that I care about is, is boundaries. Um, 
my, my parents were never really discipled. They were educated. And so there was the Bible college thing and, and all that. But as far as what does a parent look like, what does uh, what is it supposed to look like from a maturity in Christ, balanced perspective, what does that look like? And so one of the things that we talk about here is uh, the book of Ephesians uh, and Colossians lays out in what we call the five spheres. The first chapter and a half talks about uh, who we are in Christ. In fact, in the first 14 verses, I think nine times it uses the phrase in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And I think he's bouncing that off of John 15, you know, abide in me and I in you and you'll bear much fruit. So there's this in Christ, uh, we're adopted as children, we're forgiven, we're, we are, um, you know, uh, it, it just, we have a, the Holy Spirit as a, as a foretaste and at, you know, and it just goes right through. And then he moves from there and makes this transition to not just who we are in Christ and what that looks like, but then he goes into the church sphere. And he talks about the church more than anything else. So in that place, he says, you, this is who you are in Christ, but this is also who they are in Christ. And he talks about this community of believers and what's that supposed to look like. And then he transitions into what we call the home sphere. And uh, and then he goes into the work world sphere, and then he talks about the spiritual realm sphere. Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And one of the things that that I that a lot of people say is, why does he talk about the church sphere before he talks about the home sphere? And it's not because he thinks the church is more important than the home. It's because in the church sphere. Not only do you learn doctrine, you, you know, do you learn to get equipped? Do you learn all those things? You learn what a family is supposed to look like. Because if, you, if you're if you a Christian and you come into the church world, um, or an, excuse me, a non-Christian, for instance, in Corinth, all you know about the, the family life is what you were given, and which means that you hear a lot of, well, my dad did this, or my mom did that, and so I'm going to do that, or they did this, so I'll never do that, and they they don't really know what the home is supposed to look like. Well, in the church sphere, you, you learn what a father looks like, the spiritual leaders. You learn what a mother looks like. You learn what relationship looks like. If you're truly discipled in relationship, you learn what the home sphere is supposed to look like, um, and because the church has become so detached and because there's such a lack of discipleship, most pastors, um, even if they came from a, a Christian home, that Christian home is usually not built around Christ, Christ's design for the home. It's, uh, it's like my parents, they go to church, but they weren't really discipled as to what a husband, spiritual leader looks like or a wife looks like. And so it's in the church sphere that we learn not only to, to know what a family looks like, but that there's an interconnection between the, the church family and the home. And there's this accountability and support that's supposed to happen out of your abiding and church sphere that flows into your home sphere. And then once you understand who you are, who they are, what the world's all about, then that impacts what your work sphere looks like. 
Uh, it doesn't, it's not my identity anymore. It's not, it, it has a purpose, but it's not the most important thing, which changes. And that's because the husband has learned what his role is and who Christ is. And, and now that impacts the world sphere. And because we were, weren't really, uh, we haven't learned what it means to abide in Christ and who we are in Christ and what it means to be a part of the family of God and the mission of God, which then flows into the home sphere, which then you know, it doesn't, it's a triple trickle effect. It, 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 you know, our work sphere, world sphere becomes so big, it takes up all the time. And, and the enemy now is, is attacking the abiding and what it's supposed to look like in the spiritual realm. And so as you look at the flow of this, it's super important to me as a pastor that I think in terms of what does abiding look like in my life and what does the church sphere look like uh, as uh, in accordance with God's design, so that my home sphere has balance, is strong, is steady. And again, God never asked me to give up my family for the church, uh, for the job. He asked me to be God's man and to be plugged into a family of God where I may have a job, I, I have a purpose there, but my home sphere is built around the principles that I learn in the church sphere. And again, part of that comes from a reaction uh, to seeing my dad not know how to put together boundaries, though he had been educated, and our home sphere became kind of a wasteland. Um, and I watch a lot of pastors uh, have marriages that are strained, have children who hate God, or at least see him as irrelevant, because the church, especially hard for pastors, because the world sphere, work sphere, and the church spirit take up so much time that it presses out, sometimes abiding. We do stuff for God, but not with him, and we don't really uh, plug into our families, and so they get the leftovers. And so what does it look like uh, to live an abiding life where, yes, I'm a part of the family of God, but there's protection and support for my home life? And, you know, one of the things that I believe in is, is the head body goes, the body follows. If the senior pastor is out of balance, then that sets the, the stage for the congregation being out of balance. If the senior pastor is spending all of his time in the work sphere, which is the church sphere, it gives permission for the, the spiritual leaders in the home to be out of alignment as well, to be so busy in their work that they don't have time for the church or the, uh, the family. And so what I see is most, I, what I see is most pastors, or most, excuse me, men in the church are not really spiritual leaders. They're more providers. They're, they're more, um, uh, you know, building their identity, spending their time in either the church world, or excuse me, the uh, work world, or the hobby world sort of thing. And they don't have a lot of time for God, and they don't have a lot of time to be the spiritual leader in their home. And so if that's going to change, it has to start with pastors who not only live out a model and expect their staff to live out a model uh, of that, but we what we celebrate people aspire to. And so 
What does it look like to have a balanced Christian life in every sphere of your life? And, and, and the way I see the abiding sphere is in that abiding sphere, if you're spending time with Jesus, he's the great architect. It's like a cell. Within the cell, the nucleus has the directions and the power for everything else that happens in the cell. As you spend time in Christ, you get the directions and the power to live your life in a specific way. And I think most pastors have not been discipled to understand what do all the spheres of your life actually look like. They know how to teach scripture. They know how to to, uh, um, preach or teach or run a weekend service. They know how to... um, uh, educate others, but a lifestyle of relational discipleship and, and purpose in every part of and, and where it's balanced is not something they do very well. So if you're going to have a marriage that um, a, a home life that's going to be what God wants it to be, you have to be plugged in to Christ. You have to be plugged into the church that is reinforcing what a godly husband and father looks like uh, and uh, in all of life. And so for me, the key to being married 35 years now for me is saying, okay, if I abide in Christ, that sets the stage for all the other spheres of my life. If I'm abiding in Christ and I have a church family that understands what balance looks like, they're like my protection from myself, from my getting on, my, my, our elders, our staff, our, my life group, my men's group. The same questions I'm asking them about balance in life, they're asking me. And we're living out a way of life that is consistent and balanced, knowing that we need accountability because we will drift off, offline, but we have a, a group of people that are around us that help us remember and hold us accountable to living out that balanced life. So in short, uh, I would say what keeps my marriage the way it ought to be is uh, I'm recognizing that I'm not mature in Christ if I'm not dealing with my wife in an understanding way. A mature person in Christ isn't just somebody who knows the word and can speak the word. It's someone who is actually in all the spheres of their life interacting in a way uh, that's in accordance with Scripture and filled with the Spirit. And, and so if I, I, I want to be a mature man in Christ, I want to live, uh, uh, you know, live out my faith in such a way that it's honoring to God, it's a blessing in every sphere of my life to others and to me. I need that. They need that. So what does it look like to live uh, in this abiding and church sphere in such a way that my home life is, uh, is, is on track? And if I get off course, I have the kinds of people around me pretty quick that see me getting off course and point me back to being uh, what I know God wants me to be, not just saying what I think God wants me to say. So I think it would be, you know, if I had the visual of what the five spheres look like here, we teach it, we have a model of it, uh, it'd be maybe easier uh, for you to understand what I'm saying. But but uh, 
you know, my my wife and I get away together. We have a date day. Uh, we always have. Um, we do life group together because my wife needs to see me serve with her. That's her place where she gets to be in relationship with others. Uh, our staff has uh, what's called a, in our church, we have um, a, a key verse that really has impacted my life is where Jesus says about the Pharisees that the Pharisees were tying burdens on people's back that they themselves won't lift a finger to help carry. And so I don't want to ask other people to do something I'm not doing. So in our staff, we have what's called a 40-hour work week. That's your ministry plan. And then we have a 10-hour personal ministry plan. And so we, our reasoning for that is we ask everybody that has a job out there in the world to work 40 hours uh, they, they have a job 40 hours a week. Usually if you're a business owner, you have more, but then we're asking you to be in church with your family, be in a life group, uh, have relationship with other people. If you're a pastor, you don't get to, it, it, first of all, you became a pastor in our church because you became a disciple maker. Uh, you were discipled. You became a disciple maker. You became a leader. And because you've been able to make disciples and lead disciple makers, that's how you got on staff. Uh, 160 of our 163 staff came from within. So um, that's how you got on staff. We don't ask you to leave that life of disciple making and relationship to take on a job of running systems so other people can have that. If you come on our staff, you're still going to be uh, doing what we ask everybody else to do, which is spend time in church in a life group disciple making but now the 40-hour work week is your ministry plan where you run ministry systems so every one of our staff has a personal plan and a ministry plan and there's constant accountability at looking at their five spheres and going tell me about your your time with your wife tell me about your kids Tell me how much time you're spending in ministry. Tell me, because again, people get off track. And so there's a constant accountability, not just for them, but for me. I'm asked the same questions. You know, um, who's your apprentice in your group? Tell me about the spiritual health of the people in your group. Um, uh, are you branching a group this year? Tell me how you're doing ministry with your wife in that group. Tell me about how many hours you're spending. Tell me, and, and, and so there's this understanding of what maturity Christ looks like, and then there are boundaries and accountability systems in place to make sure we don't get off track. Because again, um, we can spend so many times, much time putting out fires that we're not recognizing smoke in our own house. So what does that look like? So for marriage, for my wife and I, uh, it's, you know, there's a plan. Every year we go away together. Uh, even in that, I'm strategic. Uh, what I do, I used to be, you know, running so hard, and then we'd go away on vacation, and it took me like three days to get off of the adrenaline rush and slow down before I was ready to have vacation. Well, by the time that happened, my wife was so mad at me, she didn't want to spend any more time with me. 
So now what I do is I go away for a week, get everything undone, slow down so that when I enter into my vacation time with my wife and my family, I'm at that place where it's now pleasant the entire time. There's a date day every week we have. There's, you know, and you just go through and there's this lifestyle that you're willing to have that others can see and, and follow. And so, and then it creates uh, accountability for you and a lifestyle for you. And it starts the first domino to fall in your church where healthy marriage and family is prioritized above work. And so um, I would say that's, that's my, that's what's kept my wife and I um, going forward, spending that, that time away, spending the date day doing life together in balance and then you know um another thing that i have is i have my counselor on speed dial i think every every pastor should not only have friends that can they can share and be open with and and talk through stuff with but sometimes even good friends don't know what to ask and you get in at least in my case i get knotted up in my head and it takes somebody who knows how to get that knot to get at what's really going on and so I have a counselor that we go through seasons where I see him every week, then, then, then I won't. But I, I keep in mind that my own personal and mental health and balance is first and foremost, or I don't run the marathon. It's a sprint. I burn out. Uh, and, and the enemy's goal is always to topple the first biggest domino, and then everything falls from there. So I, I, I mean, I can answer questions about that. Um, but uh, again, let me just say this. Maturity in Christ is knowing who you are in Christ, which impacts your motives. A lot of pastors have an overinflated view of themselves, kind of a savior complex. And there's three parts. There's God's part, my part, their part. I can't do their part, the other person's part. I can't do God's part. I can only do my part. But some of us have an overinflated version of our part. Some of us have an underinflated version of our part, so we're lazy mm -hmm. uh, as pastors. Mm -hmm. But that, uh, that's not my problem. I have too much of a, I have, I have an overinflated view of what I can do. And so, um, uh, so I have to have, that constant, no, it's God's gig, and I'm going to have boundaries, and and uh, when I get a phone call about a struggling marriage in the middle of date night, I can answer that and start, start a, you know, allow their fire to start a fire in my own home, or I can say, you know what, God can handle you, I'm not even going to look at that, and I'll get to you later on, you know, so what does it look like to be that guy that that is abiding and then setting the stage for in the church what we learn there and the way we live there overflows into the way we live at home 